Hello and welcome to Podcast Episode 7. I am Eric Murtaugh, back as your host. This is our Temple Game Review, um, also with a short Michigan preview at the end. I uh, just want to let everyone know this is the outline we'll be using throughout the season. Um, just simply recapping the previous game on Saturday with a short little preview of the upcoming opponent. Joining me again, our newest writer making his second straight appearance is Paul Rigney. Paul, how you doing? Uh, good, good. Uh, glad to be part of this again. All right, and also joining us tonight, making his first appearance on the podcast, our lone Canadian writer is Lars. Lars, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, Eric. Happy to be here and uh, really looking forward to being part of the podcast. Cool. Thanks for coming on, guys. All right. So the Irish just beat Temple 28-6. to uh, Some hand-wringing out there about the performance. Um, a little bit on the offense, not so much on the defense. Um, people were pretty upset with how the defense played. I just want to know what your general thoughts were on the opener. Um, were you frustrated? Did you find some things highly worrisome? Um, did you think that the game plan was too vanilla and we didn't learn much? Um, just want to know what you're thinking. Let's start with you, Paul. Um, it, it, it's, it's, I think this may be the first Notre Dame home opener, maybe even Notre Dame opening game probably dating back to the Weiss era, where I haven't... I, I, I felt like I wanted to be frustrated or mad with something, but I'm not entirely sure what. Um, the off the game was pretty much over uh, off, after the first series. I think that was abundantly clear. Um, I think that the big chunk plays that we had uh, sort of focused on and, and, and tried to tried to get get close and 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 um, uh, with regards to moving the ball, I think it was excellent. I, I but yet I think what Brian Kelly said sort of shown through at, at the, after the game that this was a they really didn't show much and I think that was intentional. But it was very vanilla to me. Uh, there were some things obviously that were concerning and I I'll, I'll broach them when uh, we get to the positional breakdowns, but. Um, I'm overall pleased with the performance. I mean, if you want to give it a letter grade, I give it a B. Okay. Um, you know, just I th- kind of thought it was a more positive experience in terms of frustration, uh, like the Boston College game last year. Uh, Lars, what do you think about the game overall? Yeah, actually, I think your uh, Boston College uh, comparison is actually pretty much bang on. Certainly, from the way I watched, it was. Uh, yeah, I didn't think Notre Dame played particularly well. I think, Paul, I'd certainly agree with you offensively. Uh, it was a fairly vanilla performance, and it was a good performance for the most part. I saw about what I expected. Um, you know, some inconsistency, but it was nice to see that vertical passing attack uh, get going, and I think a few other things that we'll get into when we talk about the offense. Uh, Defensively, I was really concerned, and I think maybe that's a result of the higher expectations that we have for the for the program in terms of defense based on last year. I mean, you're talking about a defense that has uh, eight returning starters from the second-best defense in the country last year, and I think you sort of expect them to come out and, uh, and dominate, and, and we didn't see that. Um, we saw an okay performance from the defense, but uh, I mean, what do we have? One sack, zero turnovers. I don't know that we had a tackle for loss. 
although I stand to be corrected on that. Um, you know, I thought at times we we sort of tried to employ the uh, the 2012 uh, blueprint where we were fairly conservative, keep everything in front of us, but we had a bit of a tough time generating pressure from the defensive line, and so that required us to blitz a little bit more, and uh, that was good to see, actually, but um, I was a little disappointed at times in the in the man coverage when we did blitz. I thought we sometimes gave away the inside a little too easily, especially with uh, when it comes to the slot receiver. So, you know, I thought defensively it actually wasn't as vanilla as some people might think. I, I thought we blitzed more than probably we did most of last year other than the Alabama game and a few other times against Oklahoma and a bit at the start against Pitt. But, um, you know, I just I felt like the defense had opportunities to make big plays. Uh, ben Council in the first quarter comes clean, no unblocked to the quarterback, and he just he hesitates. And, uh, and he could have made, you know, he could have at least forced an early throw or maybe even had a big sack and he just kind of hesitated and the quarterback was able to get it away. Second quarter, Prince Shembo has a great chance to uh, to sack the quarterback, and again, he takes a poor angle, and the quarterback's able to slip away. So there was little things like that that, uh, that surprised me. We didn't make as many plays as I thought we would on defense. And I think I'll maybe save the special teams for a little bit here. We can talk about <laughs> later. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, we did actually have two tackles for loss. I'm looking at the stats right now. Um, well, you factor in two at sack, which counts, and then Fox had one as well. Okay. I would echo uh, what you said as well. I, I thought, and I wrote this in the my game recap that just went up Sunday night, it looked like we were uncomfortable blitzing, just in the, the sense that it, we don't look like a team that is used to blitzing like that. And I think in combination with Connor Riley, Temple's quarterback, um, evading a lot of that pressure and uh, using his feet to get out of pressure... Um, really kind of colored the way the defense performed. Um, just looking at the stat sheet, and I think I might have mentioned this as well, they had um, nine quarterback hurries, which is a pretty solid number. If you could turn a couple of those into sacks or, you know, maybe force another errant throw or two and get an interception, I think this defense defensive performance uh, is looked at a little bit differently. But when you're not making those plays, yeah, it uh, can be pretty frustrating. Yeah, and I would agree with you that we, we looked uncomfortable blitzing, and I, I certainly thought last year's team was like that, and my hope was that we were going to see a team that is more comfortable this year blitzing. Um, and hopefully that's one of those areas where we can improve in and, and get a little better, but I think you're right, you know, because you, we were effective with our blitzes. We did pressure the quarterback, and once once we pressured um, Temple's quarterback, he he didn't complete a whole lot of passes when he was under pressure. Um, he did a decent job getting rid of the ball, but it wasn't with a whole lot of accuracy. He was just getting it out of his hands kind of thing. And I think if we can do some of those little things, like, for example, on the slot receiver, you know, shoemate has got to take away the inside when we're blitzing and uh, force them to make the, the longer throw. And if we can do some of those things, play a little more solid man coverage and, uh, and come with some different blitzes, I, I think we'll be fine. But uh, if we continue to kind of just use the 2012 uh, blueprint, I think that'll certainly be problematic. I think at its core, too, when when you look at it, a lot of the mistakes that we were making on defense were a product of guys who are getting to the quarterback, guys who are blitzing, who, one, this may have been their first extended action 
uh, in a game like this. And also it was simple fundamentals. I think you saw definitely some frustration out of some veterans, um, particularly Lewis Nix with his uh, his uh, offside penalties. And I, I think also um, when you referenced, Lars, when you referenced uh, Council's Blitz, um, I, I think Eshock Williams also had a moment where he got to the quarterback, but neither of them broke down. Both of them just simply ran right by Connor Riley and sort of gave him space and allowed him to get away. And I think in both cases, he got a first down. Yeah, yeah I, I'm glad you mentioned Eshack there because I would, I would say that he showed some flashes again, but certainly didn't show the kind of finish that we'd like to see. Okay, we'll talk about the defense a little bit more uh, later on in the podcast, uh, and I'm interested to see what your thoughts on uh, Teo not being in the middle on some of those blitzes is. Um, let's look at the offense. Um, Paul, how did you think uh, Tommy Reese played in his first game as a senior? Maybe outside of um, a couple of his uh, relief performances in... Uh, the previous season, I think this may be, may have been the most complete game we've seen from Tommy Rees. He definitely had more polish on the ball. Um, he still has a tendency to put a little bit too much air under it, but he knows where to put the where basically where to put the ball up for his receivers. He's excellent at placement. It, hands down, to me, he was the best offensive player on the field to, uh, in the Temple game for me. It was a great performance by him. What about you, Lars? What did you think about Tommy? Yeah, I, I thought Tommy played well. I was happy to see all the things that we had heard about uh, coming out of fall camp in terms of, you know, I thought he moved well in the pocket and uh, did a nice job of sliding, resetting his feet. Um, you know, I, I think we saw some improved arm strength. Uh, he still doesn't have a cannon, but I think he did a nice job. Um, so, yeah, about what I expected, I was pleased with his effort, and there was you know, a couple errant throws that, uh, that certainly would like to see them uh, with a little bit of a better effort, but uh, it's a good performance by Tommy Reese. If we can get that kind of performance from him and he continues to get a little better every week, we'll be just fine at the quarterback position. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I thought his arm looked a little stronger. Um, the only thing that really still worries me is his, uh, his speed on that one sack Temple had. You know, he went down pretty quickly. Other than that, I you know, I thought he played pretty great. Um, and like you said, Lars, if if we can get that effort out of him for the rest of the season, I think this is definitely a team that can win at least 10 games. Um, let's take a look at uh, the running back position. Uh, a lot of players to talk about here. Um, all five players got touches. Um, we saw Carlisle get the start. I don't know if that was a function of Atkinson taking the opening kickoff or if that was a plan all along. Um, Paul, just give me your thoughts on um, all five running backs um, and what you thought of the effort. Um, I, this was probably when you talk about frustrating elements for um, for our our offense in the game. I think this is one of the positions where you have to really focus on. Um, I, I I won't I won't say this quote's mine. I will attribute it to uh, something I read online that we don't have a lot of number one running backs right now. We do have a lot of number twos. While I was very impressed with Carlisle getting to the edge uh, on the first carry of the game, 
Um, you take away his run, he's got six carries for 23 yards or so. That's pretty good by him. Uh, you're, you're getting close to four yards a carry. That's good. Um, I thought Cam McDaniel played very well. Uh, anytime you can average over five yards a carry, I think that's fine. I was actually pretty disappointed with George Atkinson. Um, if you take away uh, one of his runs, you're, you're looking at a guy who was pretty much averaging just shy of three yards a carry. And when you're a starting running back and you're playing a game against a clearly inferior team, you would expect that your running, your your main running back, your star guy, is going to get a little bit more than uh, three yards of carry. Uh, as for the freshman, um, I would have liked to see a little bit more Greg Bryant. Um, uh, looking at the notes, I have two carries by him. Uh, I wish he had a little bit more. Uh, Torian, Torian Folston, I was uh, I was again impressed with him. Uh, but, again, if you look at the numbers, still under three yards of carry, but he was playing with the second team, so I'm okay with it. I really liked the looks uh, that, that we saw from both freshmen. I think they're both going to be stars in a couple years or maybe even next year. But on a whole, uh, it, very impressed with Carlisle. Uh, I liked uh, Cam McDaniel's sort of ferocity uh, when he got to the hole, but there's not much breakaway with him. Disappointed with Atkinson, and uh, the freshman showed promise to me. All right, Lars, what do you think? Uh, and maybe give me your thoughts on how the defense maybe didn't show a whole lot and how that affected the run game. Did you think that had a bit of a, uh, an effect on the run game? Um, on Notre Dame run, Notre Dame's run game? Yeah, just yeah, you know, pretty vanilla in the second half, and that's kind of where yeah. the running game slowed down. Yeah, I uh, I mean I'd echo a lot of what what Paul said. Uh, I didn't think uh, I I was okay with George Atkinson's uh, performance. I mean, you know he only had I think uh, it was eight carries, um, which which wasn't a huge amount of work for him. What I was really looking for from him was was he going to run the ball hard? And you know I'm a big proponent of that, and I don't want to see him making a bunch of cuts. And I thought he did a decent job with that. Um, I also thought he had a really nice catch coming out of the backfield there. Um, so that was good to see. So I thought he was okay. I mean, George Atkinson is George Atkinson. He's going to be inconsistent at time. Uh, I would agree with Paul that it would have been nice to see him break a big one. I was a little surprised by uh, Carlisle there. He's, he's tougher than I thought in terms of his ability to run inside the tackles. And I mean, Cam is Cam. He's going to, you know, exactly what you're going to get out of him. He's going to give you a good, solid performance. So, um, But yeah, the running game was fairly vanilla. They didn't show a whole heck of a lot. And, uh, you know, and I think it was also the nature of the game, the way they were scoring through the air, and there was a lot of um, Temple game, a lot of single safety looks, and a lot of kind of extra guy down in the box. And so uh, Notre Dame just made them pay by going vertical. So I think that probably had an impact a little bit on the run game as well. Now, I know the coaches aren't going to do this, but if you were just to look at the running backs and their performances in week one, and uh, let's take out the freshman um, for a moment, how would you rank the other three running backs in terms of who would you be giving the most carries uh, against Michigan? Ooh, that's that's a tough one. Um, I think I'd keep it fairly balanced because all three have particular skill sets. Um, you know, I think we're probably going to see Atkinson get some more carries and, uh, and we'll get a sense of how he does, but uh, don't be surprised if you see Cam being the guy who has the most carries coming out of Michigan because I think he's kind of like a Theo Riddick last year in terms of he 
he may just emerge as the guy who this coaching staff is the most comfortable with, that he's going to do the right things on a consistent basis. And certainly this staff has shown at the running back position that it's willing to go with a guy who maybe doesn't have quite as much breakaway maybe not physically as gifted, but he'll be a solid runner. And that was pretty apparent last year with Theo Riddick and Sierra Wood. Sierra's probably a little more gifted of an athlete, but Theo is just more solid. So don't be surprised if you see Cam as the guy who emerges as getting the most carries. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, would you agree with that, Paul? I think um, definitely listening to Kelly's comments, it seems like he, he likes McDaniel a lot. And when he starts throwing around words like toughness, and stuff like that, you definitely know he's on the coach's good side. I like the fact that Cam is a guy that, at least on a running back perspective, that he has good vision, uh, he can spot the hole, he recognizes where the linebackers are going to come and break down, and I think that the toughness comments that Kelly uh, said sort of reinforced exactly what Lars was saying, that he is very theoretic-esque when you regard him in the Notre Dame offense, that he is just a tough running back uh, who is, is he's not afraid to engage in contact. And I think that is one of the differences that you kind of saw with, um, with between the three, that at least to me, Cam was the one who pretty much engaged contact while the other two kind of tried to break it to the edge or tried to break it outside, whereas Cam tucked the ball in and sort of engaged contact to try and get tough yards. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, now let's move on to another position here. Um, you know, there weren't that many uh, tight ends in the first game. Uh, obviously, Troy Nicholas had that one 66-yard touchdown um, right before the end of the first half. That was the only target to a tight end in the entire game, and uh, I'm just curious what your what your thoughts are on uh, not seeing Welcher Koyak that much. Do you think this is the coaching staff moving towards getting uh, Daniels, Jones, and Brown the ball a little bit more, or do you think this was them kind of hiding um, some of their weapons for the Michigan game? Let's start with you, Lars. What do you think? Um, you know, I think it was probably more a function of uh, of just, you know, Temple kept giving, giving uh, Notre Dame one-on-one -on -one coverage on the outsides, and Notre Dame just really liked that matchup. They just felt that uh, they were better there. And so that was, I think, often the first read and, and the obvious read. Um, you know, I, I think Koyak and Welch are going to be outstanding for us this year, and obviously Nicholas is going to be an, an excellent player as well. So, so yeah, probably a little bit of playing a little bit of possum too, but I think it was mostly just the way the game went. Like Notre Dame just didn't have a huge number of plays, and, and uh, certainly there was lots of opportunities to get vertical, so I think they just took advantage of that. I think the other thing to comment on was, uh, in particular, the blocking of uh, Troy Nicholas out on the perimeter. Holy, has he improved. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was a couple times where, uh, you know, I'm thinking um, one of the bubble screens to TJ Jones that he took for a long, uh, a long run, it was just a phenomenal block by Nicholas. So that was pretty encouraging to see. Yeah, it was very encouraging to see a bubble screen finally go for more than five yards. What do you think, Paul? I pretty much echo what Lars uh, said. I think uh, also you, you can't discount Temple's game plan. I think there were th definitely at least five occasions uh, when I was watching the game 
and even on the rewatch on my DVR that the Temple zone defense was really focused on uh, covering the middle, and it was covering sort of the the they were pretty much trying to identify tight end slot receiver, which pretty much left the edge wide open. And any time that they went into man defense, Devaris Daniels or T.J. Jones, mainly Devaris, on any of uh, Temple's secondary is just a huge mismatch. And Rees identified it and took advantage of it. I also really want to echo that the the fundamentals for Nicholas have been greatly improved. I, I actually had wrote this down, blocking, 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 that Nicholas... Uh, especially on the bubble screen that you had mentioned, and even on running plays. Uh, some of the big chunk running plays that we were able to get uh, was because that he was essentially, he, with his size, he's essentially another guard or tackle on the line and really, really performed well to me. I mean, I, I, wouldn't, dis- I, I wouldn't really pay any heed to the fact that he just got one uh, target uh, obviously, he did score on it. I think you're going to probably try and see him integrated a lot more against Michigan, but the, his sort of lack of offensive stats, I think, was more product of what Temple was giving us and what we were taking advantage of. Yeah, it totally seemed like they were not respecting Ty Reese's arm on some of those throws. Although on the flip side, you would kind of think they shouldn't be respecting our slot receivers and breaking in our new tight ends as much, but... Uh... You know, Tommy made him pay with some of those throws. All right, let's take a look at the the wide receivers. Um, this is probably the one positional unit where there's been universal praise after the first game. Um, we've been waiting for it for three-plus years now, and this is probably the only game I can think of where a lot of receivers played right from the beginning. Um, just on my notes, I, I think we saw Jones, Daniels, Brown, Robinson, Smith, Procise, and even Will Fuller all in the first half. Um, I'm not sure if Anawalu played uh, on uh, the offense, but he was on special teams as well. Um, just want to know what your thoughts are. I'll, I'll start with you, Paul, on uh, what you thought from the wide receivers uh, and especially from those three starters. Very complete game by them. Um, anytime you can get a career high out of your captain, I think that's good. Um, 138 yards for Jones. Uh the fact that he was able to move uh, his yards after catch was amazing. Uh, you can't really say anything more about DeVaris Daniels that hasn't been said already. I was concerned about his uh, groin injury, but it was sort of refreshing to hear Kelly say that he could have gone back in but really didn't need to. Um, I, I, not a lot of people are really mentioning it. I thought Chris Brown had a great game. Uh, I thought his the, the the three catches that he had were great. Uh, he's a, a welcome alternative uh, to the existing wide receiver crop that we have. The, my only disappointment, and if you want to call it a disappointment, it, um, I will anyway. When Hendricks had the ball in the second half, uh, right near the goal line, and we threw the fade to Procise instead of Robinson, was really the one disappointment I have because I had. A, you know, a catch radius tweet to Joe, all ready to go, and uh, I had to delete it. <laughs> yeah, I would say the I had the unheralded star of the game was Chris Brown, just for the fact that uh, you know he had that one big catch of 33 yards was a, a welcome sign. Um, 
very DeVaris Daniels-esque, very TJ Jones-esque. And, um, you know, he only had two catches last year, and he came out and had three in the first game. I think that's a pretty big uh, first step for him in his second season. Um, we're not going to need a ton of production out of him, I don't think, um, with Jones and Daniels holding down those two outside spots. But, uh, you know, you can get three or four receptions out of Brown every game. That's really going to help the passing game. What do you think, Lars? Yeah, I'm I'm uh, in the same boat as everyone else here. It was an impressive performance by the wide receivers. Uh, T.J. Jones certainly looked faster to me than he has before. Uh, Daniels, I thought was you know was just outstanding as a vertical threat and ran some really nice routes. Uh, Chris Brown was a guy who really caught my eye, uh, just from the perspective of. I mean, here's a guy who uh, last year wasn't considered to be very complete. He was pretty much just a guy who could run fast and, and run the go pattern, and now um, the route running was much better, and, and I really, if you remember the first, I believe it was the first run by uh, Carlisle, he threw a key block and did a nice job uh, on his, his corner helping to spring Carlisle, so um, nice, well-rounded game from him. The, uh, the slot position still remains a mystery to me, but otherwise uh, I was really impressed with the Notre Dame receivers. And I'm going to actually, the article post that I'm doing uh, later this week is going to be about the, the balance that we have in, in that group and, the, and when you include the tight ends, which really makes it difficult for defenses to defend. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what the ceiling is going to be on Chris Brown. Um, he definitely looks a lot bigger this season. And I know he put on some pretty good weight last year. Um, so he's gone from a pretty thin, stick-figured high school senior to a pretty large, tall, and fast receiver. So anytime you can get those two uh, attributes together, um, you know, the sky's the limit with a player like that. All right, let's take a look at the last positional unit here on offense, the offensive line. Um, most people are pretty happy with the effort. Um, I think the lack of major rushing yards is probably the one thing that people are pointing out as a bit of a disappointment. Um, the running backs had, I think, 193 yards, which is a pretty good day. Um, I think people wanted to see a little bit more against Temple, although I was trying to argue that Temple was probably a little bit bigger and better in the front seven that people were giving him credit for. What do you guys think of the uh, overall effort from uh, the offensive line, and particularly the uh, the new starters and how we Lombard looked in the inside at right guard. What do you think, Paul? Well, outside of the one sack of Rees, which I actually think was when Lomb, I think looking at it again, I'm pretty sure it was Lombard um, that, if you want to argue uh, an offensive lineman being responsible, I'm pretty sure it was him. I'll stand corrected, though. Uh, yeah, I, the 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 I will uh, respect uh, what what you said the uh, about about Temple's front seven being um, better than advertised. Uh, I am a little bit disappointed with our running game. Yet, you know, looking at the box score, 188 yards rushing, not that bad, uh, especially when you consider that we averaged over five yards a carry. Now, granted, you're you take away Amir's first run and you take away a couple other big chunk plays, you're talking about a, a lesser average. But I think it was, again, a product of what Temple was giving us. I think Temple uh, played a very, uh, if you want to argue, a BYU-style defense look against us. That were, they were 
it almost seemed to me that they wanted Reese to try and and throw that they were trying to to force uh, our young wide receivers to step up and make plays, and they're trying to force Reese to make plays uh, to me. So, outside of the one sack, if your quarterback only gets sacked once per game, uh, you're doing a pretty good job. And even when uh, you, with the big chunk plays that our running game has put forward. Um, uh, again, I'll revert. While I was disappointed with some of our running backs, I, I think I was pleasantly surprised, especially with some of the the new offensive linemen out there. Um, it was a pretty solid performance by them, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, I've checked out a couple uh, Temple blogs, and they one of the big um, gripes they had was their lack of pressure on Tommy. Um, Lars, do you think we uh, should be talking about Nick Martin's effort on Saturday, uh, his first start at center, and you know, no big problems there. I think that's a pretty good uh, sign for the future. What do you think? Yeah, I, th I thought that was huge, um, and you know, I thought that was sort of something that wasn't talked a lot about and had me concerned coming out of fall camp. Is we got a brand new starter at center, and and uh, it's not like he'd been playing center for very long, so you're certainly worried about exchanges, shotgun snaps, those sorts of things, not to mention getting play calls right and and just a lot of little nuances in that position. And, you know, I think he had a pretty solid performance, and I'll, I'll point to the, uh, the very first play on Amir's big run, um, Temple was in a, a 30 front, and they ended up slanting away from the from the side that the run was going, and they blitzed the linebacker. And if you watch the the film, uh, Nick Martin does a really nice job picking it up, and you can see that Watt is uh, very comfortable passing his responsibility off to Martin because he knows he's going to be there, and um, and he's able to get up uh, to another player, and then I think even on to the next level. So it was. Uh, so I thought he did a really nice job. I thought it was a solid performance by the O-line, some room for improvement. I think the one thing that uh, people might not have noticed that really pleased me was um, was how was the protection on play-action passes, um, because out of the pistol, it does take a little bit longer uh, for the play action pass to develop. It's just a touch slower. And the other thing is the quarterback has to sort of turn his head away from the offensive line and especially on his on his blind side, there's no way he can see anyone coming. And I thought the offensive line for the most part did a pretty good job of, uh, of giving him time to complete those fakes, get his head back around, make his reads and, and deliver the ball. So that, that was promising. Yeah, I actually thought the exact same thing watching the game. Um, the pistol, I don't think, if you don't watch a lot of football, it doesn't look too different, but in terms of the play action, it definitely um, looks a lot different having the quarterback turn his head. and um, Reese had a really good protection on a lot of those play action passes. And it was nice to see him be able to swing back around and see his receivers with nice uh, lots of time. Um, I, I would only say this. Um, I thought there was an opportunity to, to gain a little bit more yards in the second half, and the offense just kind of got a little bit too conservative. Um, I think if they kept things a little bit more balanced, um, the, the running game would have been a little bit more explosive. I am interested to see um, how they run the ball against Michigan, um, and we'll get to that towards the end of the podcast. Um, I don't think this is going to be a really great um, front seven at Michigan, so I think this is going to be a big test for the offensive line to to get over 150 yards and possibly um, 200 yards like they did last time they visited. I think the rushing game was pretty potent. Um, 
last time at the big house. All right, let's uh, transition to defense. Um, a lot more question marks on this side of the ball. Um, we'll start probably with the biggest worry um, a day after the first game with the defensive line. Paul, what'd you think of the uh, the starters? We'll focus mostly on those three starters, um, and if you want to throw Shembo in there as well, we'll talk about him. What'd you think of their uh, their effort and production? I like the effort, but I was probably as frustrated as Nick's was, um, especially with uh, just simple getting to the quarterback. Um, I think what what Lars mentioned about uh, defensive pressure. Uh, at the top of the podcast is pretty much spot on. Um, it was a very frustrating performance. Uh, uh, it, it, was, it was almost, if you want to argue, maybe outside of special teams, it was one of the more aggravating things to watch. Uh, I, I would like to see uh, at least the coaching staff try and figure out uh, ways to maybe take advantage of all the double teams on Knicks. Um, I would like to see a better focus on fundamentals, but all in all in this game, um, when, when you when you don't surrender a, a rushing touchdown uh, for the first half of the season, uh, of the previous season, and you surrender one right away, and you kind of have this bend but don't break look to you the entire time, uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't a good look to me, and it was uh, somewhat concerning, but it may also have been a product of us not uh, trying to show our hand uh, that we were uh, willing to concede yards but not points. Um, but again, if you if you take away their field goal misses, if you uh, uh, take away um, a, a couple breaks that went our way, uh, it it certainly could have been a lot worse than it looked. Yeah, that's true. Uh, in my recap, I I ranked. Um, what I thought about the defensive line. I went to it, Shembo, Nix, and Day. Um, Lars, are you concerned with uh, the play with Sheldon Day? I thought he was pretty invisible. I, I thought that was probably the most surprising. I know a lot of people were upset with the way Nix played, but I thought even more so with Day, we didn't really see anything out of him. Yeah, no, there there was the odd time where I noticed him, but uh, but yeah, he was he was really invisible in a lot of ways, and you know, there's a couple times where we had four-man rushes and our guys just got stood up by the Temple guys and were kind of just doing the hop and jump trying to hope that they might, uh, you know, knock down a pass or something and it wasn't a quick pass. So I was quite surprised by that. Um, you know, and I, I just think, like, yeah, the whole bend but don't break thing, um, I don't know that you should be a bend but don't break defense against Temple, who's starting a, you know, they have a brand new coaching staff. Um, you know, they're starting a guy who is, you know, it's his first start ever in college football, and uh, he's probably more well-known as a baseball player than he is as a, as a quarterback. And, you know, we're kind of bending but not breaking. I was hoping for a little more domination out of, out of those guys and I think Paul was exactly right in terms of some poor angles those sorts of things what was most concerning for me was like in 2012 Notre Dame were 
didn't always generate a whole lot of pass rush, especially early in games, but they were very, very disciplined, and they played a lot of mobile quarterbacks, and they did a really nice job of keeping them in the pocket and uh, and not letting them escape, not letting them run loose, and uh, and we didn't see that from, from Notre Dame. And so, you know, you'd think that if you're going to be a disciplined pass rushing team, um, you may not always get as much pressure, but the quarterback can't scramble around and has to stay in the pocket. But Notre Dame really didn't do either of those from a defensive line perspective. We didn't get great pressure, um, but we also didn't keep him in the pocket. He was, uh, I think he was their top rusher, Connor Riley, and had something like, what was it, 65 yards of rushing, I think, over half of their rushing. Um, yeah, 65 yards rushing, which was surprising to me. And then, uh, you know, I thought Lewis Nix, I was a little disappointed in his play in terms of uh, the three penalties were not good. Um, you never want that out of a leader of your defense. And then if you remember the uh, extra point that um, that Jones blocked, if you watch Lewis Nix on that play, he just completely takes the play off. He doesn't even make an effort to, to rush the field goal. And you, you can't have that out of your best players. So fortunately there's a lot of talent on that group, so they should be able to bounce back. And this might be just the type of thing to light a fire under them. Yeah, and I know uh, earlier in the week, a lot of people were kind of laughing at the performance of uh, Jadavian Clowney and looking like he was out of shape or the weather was affecting him or whatever. Um, do you think there was any sort of uh, heat-related issues going on with the defensive line? Yeah, Nix looked, looked tired to me at times, and that's probably a depth issue as well. But, uh, but yeah, they looked tired and they, they looked frustrated and... Uh, and certainly they just didn't quite have as much pop as I thought they would. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a fair statement. And it takes, a, you know, those big guys, it takes them a little while to get into game shape as well. So that's something that should improve over the next couple games. All right, now we'll... Uh, oh, go ahead, Paul. Oh, I was, I was just going to say, it, it seemed to me that it, at least in the case of Knicks, that it was a guy who probably saw a lot of game film had done a lot of game prep and figured that he was going to walk in and be able to get to the quarterback every play. And I think that the amount of double teams that he was getting on him the entire game really sort of wore him down. And uh, what Lars said about death, uh, de de death, depth, I meant, uh, is pretty much spot on. Uh, when you've got a guy that is being... Um, basically taken out of every play by the center and the right guard or the center and the left guard, uh, it, it, it can wear on you and it can uh, lead to some frustration and some fatigue. Yeah, actually, during the game uh, in our open thread, um, I think it was right before Temple called a timeout. I believe it was either the late second half or early, uh, excuse me, er, late second quarter or early second quarter. Um, we had Stockton and Rabasa out there on a key third down play. Um, I don't think we've ever seen them use that depth before, so um, it definitely seemed like they were either maybe a little bit too heavy. I know that was a concern with Tuit, um, possibly a little bit of shape, but uh, you know, it's, it's in terms of hot weather, uh, we don't usually see uh, hot games like that in South Bend. All right, let's turn our eyes to the linebackers. Um, if it's possible, their play was even worse than the defensive line. Um, I actually thought Shembo had a pretty decent game. Um, he's kind of a pseudo-defensive lineman anyway. Um, we know the inside linebackers didn't play very well. 
Um, Jalen Smith got the start and played quite a bit, although Council rotated in pretty freely. Um, I'll start with you, Lars. What do you think of the, the middle linebackers overall? Um, do you think this is a major weakness that Michigan's going to be able to exploit and future opponents? Um, or do you think this is something they'll be able to fix um, with uh, people on the roster or possibly with, uh, with a game plan? Uh, yeah, I, it's it's a concern for sure. Um, there's no doubt about that. And I, you know, I think I'll talk a little later when we get to Michigan about how I think Michigan might exploit that. But um, you know, we didn't play overly well in in space from the middle linebacker position, and we we struggled with play action. Um, and then when we did drop into zone and the quarterback broke container, stepped up and ran. It, you know, we were a little we were slow getting there. And so certainly you you miss a, a man tail and you start to realize just how much of a difference he made there in terms of kind of taking away that middle and you know you could try running some play action on him last year but uh, with the number of interceptions he had you probably didn't want to throw the ball uh, over the middle too often and certainly he was much better in, in terms of dropping the zone and then coming up when a when a quarterback ran so that was that's that's concerning. I think um, you know. I think Jared Grace is going to help us there. I think um, they can do some things schematically that will help. And I think they're really going to need to make an effort to uh, to take the pressure off of the linebackers in terms of the play action pass. So because it's really tough for an inside linebacker to play that aggressive run and also have those pass responsibilities. And so uh, they can they can sort of take away some of those pass responsibilities. I think with a couple things that they need to do, and and one would just be a little more man coverage and a better job taking away the inside, especially on the slot receiver. And I think we're going to see need to see the safeties and in particular Matthias Farley uh, do a better job of um, stepping up and breaking on the ball when when the ball is in the air and and making it tougher for teams to fit that ball in between the linebackers and the uh, and the safeties but uh, no question they didn't move as well in space as we'd like to see and they certainly struggled with the play action I want to ask you Paul um, did you think the uh, the middle linebackers did a good job on the run I know uh, Temple didn't have many rushing yards from the running pack position I thought you know they did a pretty decent job there there were a few runs where uh, we're used to seeing the linebackers clean them up at the line of scrimmage, and they ended up gaining two or three yards. But uh, um, we know the passing aspect of the defense in the inside was not very good. What did you think about the uh, the middle linebackers filling in and on the run and filling in gaps? I thought it was okay, not great. And I think when you're talking about playing a team like Temple, I think it sort of reflects very poorly on, on that. Um, I did like... Uh, at least in, in the short run, how we were able to contain, uh, for the most part, uh, the rushing attack. I think Zaire Williams, seven carries, 33 yards, but you take away one 16-yard gain, it's a pretty good job by our linebacking core, especially when they're trying to run the ball up the middle. Um, I think it's when you talk about containing the runs on passing downs, and I think, as you said, you sort of revert to how our middle linebackers uh, really struggled against the pass. Uh, they would get frozen by play action, which I think, would, fr frankly, is pretty concerning, especially with Michigan coming up. 
Um, but even other simple things like uh, pursuit of the quarterback, I, I think I, I chalk up a couple of uh, Connor Riley's big runs uh, on scrambles to linebackers uh, dropping too deep, uh, not being in space, not being able to wrap up. Um, I mean, but despite that, when you look at the defensive statistics, you know, Carlo, nine tackles, uh, Dan Fox, five tackles, or ten tackles, five of them were solo. Uh, Jarek Grace, to me, I, I, I echo what Lars said about how he can uh, he can sort of help with uh, a lot of the, the issues. Um, but in terms of, I'm not worried about teams running up the middle against us. I'm worried about when they get into space against us. And I think uh, the Temple game pretty much reflected that, that we were able to contain up the middle um, for the most part. Uh, but it was when teams got into space that we really had trouble with them. Yeah, and I would say um, if you look at some of Temple's rushing statistics, um, Riley had a long of 18, Williams had a long of 16, Gilmer a long of 15, Coyer a long of 14. So that's a big chunk of the rushing right there on four carries. Um, you know, if the team can, the defense can clean up a couple of those runs, that's going to push Temple under 100 yards rushing. Um, and, you know, they only had 55 yards rushing from uh, the running backs, yet they still had 25 first downs, which is a pretty absurd number. So, um We'll get to it in a second here with the DBs. Um, I just wanted to maybe ask Lars here. Do you think the the defense was a little taken aback by how much um, spread looks Temple gave the defense? I know they had been rumored to be installing some spread looks, but I was actually kind of surprised how much uh, you know read option they had in there, and that seemed to open things up a little bit for Temple. Yeah, I, I absolutely think that was part of it. Is um... There's no doubt that, uh, you know, obviously Notre Dame had no idea what, or very limited idea what Temple was going to run. I mean, I'm sure they were prepared for some spread. I think what uh, what the real difficulty was, was um, Notre Dame seemed like they had a tough time adjusting to the speed of, uh, of the Temple players in space, and that's not a great sign. But that does happen sometimes when you go from a, a training camp environment where you just can't replicate the game speed. And uh, one of the hardest things to develop through practice is uh, is open field tackling and tackling in space. It's just a, a difficult, difficult thing to do and a lot of times has to be trial by fire. I thought, you know, the other thing I thought is from our outside linebacker perspective is we missed Danny Spond. Um, you kind of appreciate all the things that, that he quietly did and not that Jalen Smith or Ben Council played poorly, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be a little while before they get to Danny Spawn's level. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I thought Jalen played okay, but um, besides that, I think he was in on the first tackle. That was a really great play by him. Um, he didn't really seem to do a whole lot, and uh, given how much they completed passes kind of in between the hash marks or right around the hash marks, you would like to see that, that position along with Council getting some more tackles or breaking up some more passes. All right, let's take a look at the defensive backs. Um, in my recap, I kind of talked about how this was a, a bit of a weird game for them, um, only because Temple didn't really test uh, the corners too much besides a couple deep balls that Riley sailed a little bit too far. Um, just looking at the statistics, uh, Jackson had four tackles and Farley had three. 
but then you had two other starters, Russell and Collinsworth, with zero tackles, which you don't usually see that very often. Um, I'll start with you, Paul. What did you think about the defensive backs? Um, I thought our safeties looked okay, nothing special. I'm a little bit concerned about the, the athleticism there with Collinsworth and Farley. Um, I think it was a bit of an incomplete grade for the corners, and uh, I thought Luke, the true freshman, struggled, and I thought um, Shoemate had some struggles. What did you think? Uh, echo uh, and agree completely on Shoemate. Uh, he had a, a couple, uh, one pretty blatant pass interference that ultimately led to Temple's touchdown. I'm not entirely sure the pass interference was even really necessary. I th don't think the pass was, I don't think the Temple receiver was going to get it, uh, but still he insisted on wrapping his. Um, is is you know full body around the guy uh, as as the pass was coming in. Um, it, I will push back a little bit on the incom uh, on the incomplete grade uh, to the cornerbacks. Uh, I I do think while uh, when you anytime that you can get uh, a quarterback uh, an opposing quarterback to average five yards a pass. Um, there, there's one of two things at play. Either your corners are doing a good job or that quarterback's getting rid of the ball really quickly. And I think it may have been a little bit of both. I, I think that uh, our quarter, our corners' athleticism is probably the best in the secondary uh, as a whole, uh, especially when you compare them to the safeties. Uh, and I think it's sort of reflected that they kind of insisted on, with their spread game, throwing short. Uh, throwing right away, and even when they did try and throw deep, I don't think there was any time that I was concerned every time he threw the, the Connor Riley threw deep uh, that the Temple receiver was even going to get it. Even on the Hill Mary, a lot of people kind of held their breaths, but I I really was not concerned um, on that. Uh, with regards to the safeties, um, I already said my piece on Shoemate. Uh, I was concerned that Collinsworth really didn't get uh, into the game at all, especially when you consider. Uh, two years ago that he was uh, a pretty tough player on special teams, um, especially in the return game uh, and the coverage game. Uh, I thought uh, Farley concerned me a little bit. Uh, he had that, that pass breakup on the on the, the Hill Mary pass, but three tackles, um, not really uh, a, a, a complete look for me. Um, but I, I, I do uh, find some concern, especially with Michigan coming up, based on how our secondary, especially at the safety position, looked uh, with regards to the play action. Uh, I, I, I was a little bit concerned at how we were quick to jump, uh, but not quick to close. And uh, it's certainly something that we will have to grow on, uh, that the players will have to grow into. Uh, but as a whole... Um, Concerned with the safety position, I was okay with the corner position. I, it wasn't as incomplete as I thought. What do you think, Lars? Um, yeah, very very similar thoughts. Um, you know, first of all, Bennett Jackson, I thought he looked good and looked like exactly like a captain and a, a returning starter and a guy who's going to be phenomenal in the corner, and you can pretty much put him in on, on an island and let him go. Um I thought Russell was a little suspect at times, which surprised me. Uh, he had a tendency to let receivers inside, and, and that was a concern. He did it once on the goal line, and fortunately uh, they, they threw the out or kind of a fade, but uh, had he have 
at the quarterback, Riley made the read. Uh, it was a touchdown because uh, Russell had given up the inside there. And uh, and that happened a few times, and so I was disappointed in that. I'd agree on Shoemate as well. Um, you know, again, cannot give away the inside, especially out of that uh, when you're covering a, a someone in the slot. So, so yeah, that was that was... It was not a great. It was an okay performance, but I think, like you said, the corners in particular, it's tough to judge them because they didn't get a whole lot of work. Um, and I'd agree with Paul on on Farley. Like I just like to see him step up a little bit, and um, it reminds me of that first play action in the national championship game where he kind of just let the receiver catch it in front of him, and uh, he sort of has a bit of a tendency to do that. And I think we need to see Farley take a step up in terms of going from a guy who, oh, I'm just not going to get beat deep and, and hurt the team to now I'm not going to get beat deep, but I'm also going to come up and I'm going to make some plays. And, and I think that that's what needs to happen. So, um, And, you know, the door might have opened a little bit for Max Redfield here. It's certainly, uh, there's certainly, I think, you know, going into the year, we were kind of thinking that maybe he wouldn't have much of an opportunity to play. And now all of a sudden it looks like, maybe he will get that chance. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, just looking at the defense overall after this game, I'm pretty concerned with the middle linebackers, but I don't know um, what options the coaches are going to have there. But when you look at the safety position, um, I know Shoemate didn't have a great game, but I think the sooner the coaching staff can get to the Shoemate and Redfield era, um, I think that's going to be a big bonus for the defense. Um it may not happen this year, but uh, I'm hoping maybe by the second half of the season we'll see a little bit more athleticism and speed there um, because I think that might end up hurting the defense at some point even though uh, you know there's not many great quarterbacks on the schedule um, and the corners are pretty good. But um, if these teams are going to keep testing uh, the Irish defense deep and our safeties are running behind the corners who are chasing receivers, I don't think that's a very good sign. All right, uh, let's finish up the, the positional units talking about special teams. Um, lots of terrible language out there for the special teams this week. Um, I tried to uh, add some positive uh, comments in my recap. Um, I know people were pretty upset with the field goals. Um, uh, I'll start with you, Paul. What do you think overall with the special teams? What can you say when the most impressive component of it was a punt return that you knew nothing about going into it. Um, very frustrating. Uh, Tausch's knuckling of the ball uh, surprised me. Um, I initially had tweeted that I thought the hold was bad, uh, but when they showed the replay and everything, sure, the ball could have been you know, a little bit straighter by Massa, but I, it was just an ugly kick. Uh, he, he just something that you kind of held your nose and go you about. Um, I thought our punting was atrocious, uh, if, if, if that can be, especially when you regard it in, in positional terms. Um, I thought Brinza did a good job when he was punting uh, from the from the going out to the 50, but from the 50 in, um, very disappointing. Uh, you you would have figured that at, in some way or another that the coaching staff, especially with a guy who's punting essentially in the first game uh, for the first time ever, really, uh, that they would have focused a lot more on positional as opposed to distance, and it was simply seemed to me like he was catching the ball and just kicking it as hard as he could. 
Uh, I would have liked to see Wolfec, uh, especially when we were going into the game uh, with the assumption that Wolfec was going to be more positional, but maybe that'll be down the road. Um, uh, I, I'm just very, very frustrating, uh, especially on, on the kicking game. I thought our kickoff return was good. I thought it could have been better. I think Atkinson uh, was too quick to slow down to find the hole, uh, especially when you consider his kickoff return um, uh, potential, uh, that he's just got sheer breakaway speed. Um I was impressed with T.J. Jones. I mean, it's a product of having, if you want to call it intelligence, football intelligence, uh, back there at the the return position, a guy who wants to gain yards, wants to get into space, and especially with the one that he almost broke, and you could tell the frustration when he's like, oh, I was so close. Uh, I was impressed with our return game. I I was also impressed with our coverage game, if you you want to call it that, but especially on kickoff. put the ball out of the back of the end zone a couple times, always a good thing. Um, not surrendering yards like we did on the, uh, I, I guess, the the opening kickoff of the second half. Uh, but this coaching staff has a lot to work on uh, this week going into Michigan. You get, When you're talking about a, a, a series against teams, uh, a team where in many, in many, many years, uh, we're talking scores within a touchdown uh, that – a kickoff or a, uh, a good punt or a field goal or an extra point is going to matter, is going to mean something, that you really got to figure that they're going to find something and try and work on something this week because there's simply uh, the, the, there's a lot, to, a lot to look at, a lot to be concerned about, and a lot to work on going into Michigan. Yeah, if I could just jump in here before we get to Lars's answer. Um, you know, I thought the coverage was okay. Um, there was that one decent return for Temple. Uh, personally, I don't really expect a whole lot of the kick return with Atkinson back there. Um, so I don't really worry about that too much. Um, and I, I think eventually they'll probably try someone else someone else out th- at that position. Um, I wrote this in the, in the recap. I thought the punting was all right. Um, um, I was a little bit concerned about uh, Brinza just completing the entire punt. I know... He's a junior now, but uh, I was worried about him holding it and maybe possibly shanking a punt. Um, you know, I'm not too worked up about him um, drilling him into the end zone on his first couple punts. Um, also because I thought we sh- maybe should have gone for it on a couple of those fourth downs anyway, and I think we might in the future. Um, and, you know, Brinza did have a couple good punts after that, and I think uh, if he can at least be a good long punter, um, we'll be okay there. Um, the field goal kicking, obviously, was terrible. Um, the only thing I would say about that is we do have two veterans, and uh, I mentioned in the recap, it's raining. You know, Notre Dame Stadium doesn't have the greatest turf. It's never easy to kick field goals in there anyway. Um, so, um, obviously, that's going to be something that's going to have to get shored up, but uh, we do have two veterans who have proven themselves to be pretty good field goal kickers. Um, I will say... I. I don't want to discredit Tausch. If you just look at his numbers, he's been a really good field goal kicker. I don't see that ice water in his veins when he misses kicks. I know typically when a kicker misses something, you want to see the kicker be pissed off and upset, and I just don't see that out of Tausch. He seems to get upset and kind of uh, 
you know, kind of a sad face moping on the sidelines, and I don't know if that's the uh, the type of place kicker that Notre Dame's going to need. Um, the punt return, I thought, was great um, for Notre Dame standards. Um, we already have about a quarter of the 2012 uh, total yards already, um, and we're on pace for almost 300 yards, and I think we're going to find out that Jones does a really good job back there with his quickness. What do you think of uh, the special teams, Lars? Yeah, uh, you guys have covered pretty much all the, the salient points there, so I'll just add a, a few other little, I guess, my perspective. But, um, yeah, you know, it was nice to see. The, certainly the one bright spot was seeing TJ back there returning punts. That certainly did make a difference. But, you know, this is a coaching staff that, um, you know, probably hasn't, special teams haven't been spectacular here the last few years at Notre Dame, and they, they've been good at, at times, but they've been inconsistent, and I was just, I was a little miffed to see, it was almost as if they were treating it as an extension of training camp, like, you know, it's not a big deal, we'll throw a couple different field goal kickers out here, we'll let Brinza experiment with, you know, his, his punting, even though we know that he's not a great positional pooch punter, that sort of thing, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, you're still in a close game here, like, these points may matter, and, uh, you know, in the case of, of Tausch, like, they were talking on the uh, broadcast about how they saw him do the same thing in practice. At some point, you got to say, you know, what I'm seeing in practice here, um, if it's not happening in practice, it's not going to happen in the game. So I was a little disappointed in the coaching staff that uh, with this whole sort of experimentation thing, that's kind of what training camp's for, and, and you want to have some of those questions solved, I would think, instead of using your your um, your first game as a dress rehearsal for for your special teams here. And I mean, I guess it's nice to have the luxury of playing a temple, but, uh, uh, and so you, I guess you do have a little bit of wiggle room there, but there wasn't a huge amount of wiggle room and, and those, that lost field position and those missed, uh, field goals certainly are something that could have hurt us if uh, a couple bad bounces go, go the wrong way. So I was a little surprised at the, <laughs> it just felt like we, I don't know, it just felt like we weren't, uh, you know, we were kind of, Special teams became an addition this in this game, and I, I didn't think that was right. I I, I wanted to see a, a crisper performance. I wanted to see some, you know, us making some progress, and and I didn't see that overall. There's areas of progress, but that uh, certainly wasn't as good as it could have been. So hopefully they'll have some decisions made by Michigan because they're not going to have the luxury of uh, of you know being able to give away these yards and points against Michigan. The one thing I did want to add. Um, Eric also uh, when I was looking at the game, uh, the one thing that sort of surprised me is compare Tausch's extra points to that one field goal attempt and it's almost staring at polar opposites and uh, I couldn't really explain it so I had ended up asking my brother who, who was actually a kicker in high school uh, a field goal kicker uh, and a punter, and I had asked him, you know, what was going on here? How do you? Like, I can't figure out what was going on because it was a good snap, it was a good hold on the field goal, and he mentioned uh, that a lot of kicking is mental, and when you have uh, the phrase he used is muscle memory, that when a kicker can go through the motions, uh, everything looks automatic. Uh, and you kind of saw that on Brinza's field goal attempt, that it was just sheer athleticism, that he was just kicking uh, and and simply had placed it wrong. But when you look at Tausch's field goal attempt, there was a lot 
in there uh, that if you weren't looking for it, uh, you you'd miss it. That he was torquing his body uh, forward too hard. That he was that his leg whip was way too fast. That he was essentially trying to kill the football instead of try and make the field goal. And I think that it could have been uh, first game jitters. Again, he hasn't played in a while, uh, but sort of going back to it, that this is something that the coaching staff is going to have to work out with him, that it's something that you can't get on the sidelines and go, oh, woe is me, I made a f- I missed a field goal, that you got to go find out what you did wrong, how can you fix it, how can you pull yourself up and, uh, and, and do better, because our kicking games surely, uh, surely could, could use the work this week. All right, we'll be talking about the, the Temple game for a few more days on the site. Fellas, have any other thoughts on Temple before we move on to the next opponent? Well, I, you know, I think we need to be cautious of uh, it is it is only the first game, and um, certainly probably Notre Dame wasn't was hiding some things and obviously didn't run everything in their arsenal. But I think uh, there's reason to be concerned as well, and. Uh, the guys who should have been dominant and should have played, uh, you know, should have had a good game didn't, and, and that's concerning. So, uh, again, don't want to panic too much, but certainly I think it's uh, worth wringing some hands and gnashing some teeth over because uh, there was some things to be concerned about in that performance. I agree also. Um, I think in the grand scheme of things, a win is a win. Um uh, like I said, when we started the podcast off, I wanted to be really frustrated about something, but I was more heavily annoyed uh, by um, many things. And it's all things that I noticed can be corrected uh, if the coaching staff uh, can identify them and work on them. Um, and in many ways, in, in, in a couple cases, maybe a, a couple new faces would, would help the equation. Um but at the end of the day, we're 1-0, uh, we're still ranked, and uh, we've got Michigan coming up. Okay, that's a good segue here. Um, we'll kind of close shop on Temple here on the podcast and move into a preview of Michigan. Um, I think some of the angst from the fan base is, comes from watching the Wolverines romp over Central Michigan. They won 59-9 to on Saturday. Um, I'm just going to throw out some of the some statistics from their game. Um, they did gain 80 fewer yards than Notre Dame did against Temple, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, they did uh, hold Central Michigan to only 210 yards and I think about 3.3 yards per play, which is pretty good defense. However, uh, Central Michigan's starting quarterback and starting running back were injured early in the game. Um Obviously, this is going to be a huge game in the big house. Um, one of the keys to the game is going to, going to be controlling Devin Gardner, Michigan's quarterback. Um, he had a pretty decent game. He did throw two interceptions on only 15 passes. Um, I know some people have kind of looked at that as something the Irish can exploit. I just want to get your thoughts on, do you think uh, this is a game... Notre Dame is going to win, um, and what are your biggest uh, worries after watching the Irish against Temple? Let's start with you, Lars. Oh, boy. Um, well, first of all, do I think Notre Dame's going to win the game? Um, you know, when I was doing my preseason predictions, I 
I thought this might be a game that Notre Dame loses. Um, it's going to be, it'll be a war. It always is in the big house. And, uh, you know, I think Michigan's a, a good football team and uh, obviously playing in their home stadium and wanting to avenge last year's loss all help. So I think it's going to be difficult for Notre Dame to win this game. Um, I'm less confident than I was before the Temple game. After watching Notre Dame for the Temple game, uh, I, I have some concerns. And certainly Michigan has a template in terms of how to beat Notre Dame here and how to give them troubles. And I think it was pretty obvious that, you know, you spread them out. Um, certainly they're vulnerable to quick passes to the perimeter, which also, um, you know, it it makes it more difficult to rush the, the passer and so sort of neutralizes uh, Notre Dame's defensive line. Um, you know, you make two of the Knicks run all over the field chasing guys and certainly our linebackers aren't uh, tackling well. You want to hit play action over the middle and, uh, and then if you have a quarterback that can step up and scramble, you know, Notre Dame has a difficult time with that. And certainly Michigan, I guess let me put it this way, Michigan is capable of executing Temple game plan um, with better athletes and a little more vertical passing. Whereas a team like Michigan State, for example, you probably wouldn't say that. You're not going to get that type of performance. So, so that definitely uh, that definitely concerns me. Um, I'm, I am a little worried about this one for sure, but uh, Notre Dame's got a lot of talent, and the one thing I'll say is this coaching staff has, uh, has proven that they've done an excellent job uh, improving week to week, and uh, I think they'll do a good job, and I think uh, Notre Dame will be ready to play, and I expect a much better performance out of the Fighting Irish this week. Yeah, very well said. What do, what do you say, Paul? I echo a lot of what Lars said. Uh, I think when you look at past history, playing in the big house is certainly very difficult. Uh, like Lars, I'm uh, much less confident going into uh, this game than I was before the Temple game. Um, I had also identified this one, uh, this game, as if Notre Dame were going to lose uh, certain games this season, this would probably rank up there. Um, again, on paper, I, I think uh, the the 59-9 score uh, that Michigan put up on Central Michigan is somewhat misleading. Um, I don't think it was that much of a blowout. Uh However, uh, a 50-point win is a 50-point win. Um, they did have a running back that averaged over five yards a carry uh, with a long of 15. You take away that 15, he's still averaging four yards a carry. So there is room, uh, at least visibly, in the running game uh, for us if uh, our offensive line is up to the task. Uh, Devin Gardner, one of his interceptions was actually on their first uh, drive of the game. He threw an incomplete pass, and then he threw a pick. Uh, so that's not really a way that you want to start your career at Michigan, but he finished strong, um, over 10 yards uh, a pass. With a touchdown pass, he, ever, he had 52 yards on the ground. Um, I think uh, this is, as Lars said, a team that has the ability to exploit Notre Dame's weaknesses. However, I thought last year's Michigan team uh, in many ways had a better uh, crop of offensive athletes to utilize uh, a game plan that would exploit Notre Dame's weaknesses, which I viewed in many ways were the, the same as this year, uh, although we definitely had stronger middle linebacker play. 
I think the goal for Notre Dame here is to make sure that Gardner keeps everything within the hashes. I, I, I would really, uh, again, uh, Temple was able to exploit Notre Dame in space, and if our rushes up to the task, if we're able to get to Gardner, keep him within the hash marks, I, I think our chances of winning are a lot better. Um, but it sort of remains to be seen because I would have expected to see some of that against Temple, uh, and I didn't necessarily see it. Uh, Shembo, five hurries on Connor Riley, but he never wrapped him up. Uh, if that's the case with Gardner, you're going to look at him running for 15 to 20 yards each time that hurry uh, gets close to him. So it's a, a game where you have to be fundamentally sound. Uh, you can't do what you get, get did against Temple because Michigan will exploit uh, the uh, mistakes that we made. Um, I, I, I still like our chances, but uh, I'm not as confident. Um, uh, it, it's, it's up to the coaching staff to get this team ready. Uh, I hope they will be because Michigan certainly will be ready for this one. Yeah, and I hate to just pin it all on one player, but I think the play of Devin Gardner is going to determine so much in this game. Um, I really haven't been a big believer in Michigan's running game um, from the running back position. Um, I've only seen a few highlights of their game so far. I'm just looking at some of their stats. Um, Derek Green, their true freshman, had 58 yards, but I don't think he got in until late in the game. He had 5.3 average. Um, it's worth mentioning, though, that Green had a 30-yard run, so you take away that 30-yard right. run. Very pedestrian. Right, and Toussaint, their starter, had 4.1. I mean, people are seeing the 58 points, and they ran for 242 yards, but they only had a 5.1 average. They had Norfleet run for 38 yards on one carry, and then you chip in Gardner's 7.4 average on seven carries. I mean, I'm really interested to see how Michigan can run the ball f with their running backs and I think if we can shut them down there, which we have been doing uh, for the past couple of years, you know, that's really going to put a lot of pressure on Devin Gardner, who, by the way, is missing um, not only Amar Darbo, but I believe the starter who filled in for him is injured as well. So, you know, their wide receiver core is banged up, and, um, you know, they don't have a ton of weapons on offense, and I think... Um, the interior of their line is going to be facing a pretty big test. Um, what do you think about uh, Notre Dame's offense going against Michigan's defense, Lars? What do you, you think you're pretty uh, pretty happy with that matchup? Yeah, I think so. It's it's an interesting question, Eric, because uh, you know Notre Dame didn't show a whole lot. Um, you know Michigan Michigan didn't show a whole lot either. Although we have a good sense of how Michigan's going to run their defense and. And, you know, they're going to come after Tommy, and uh, uh, there's going to be lots of overload blitzes and uh, definitely some different looks and, you know, linebackers looping here and there and probably some clown shot out of a cannon and all sorts of things to try and, and get in uh, get into Tommy's head a little bit. But, uh, 
you know, I think we match up okay. Um, the matchup on the outside with our wide receivers in their corners will be a very, very interesting one, and it's going to be absolutely critical to establish a running game. I'm really interested to see how much pistol we use versus how much shotgun, and uh, I'm interested to see a few of the, the wrinkles that uh, Notre Dame is going to add in because offensively they didn't show a whole heck of a lot. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting matchup. I think we match up just fine with them, our offense versus their defense. Yeah, it was pretty uh, interesting to see Kelly say that um, we'll see a lot more pistol coming up in the next few weeks. I thought they used the pistol a lot more than I thought we would. What do you think, Paul? I agree um, with what you just said, um, as well as what Lars said. I, I think our matchups on their corners um, are going to be very interesting uh, to watch. Um, I think there are, is certainly uh, room for us to exploit them. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see us, uh, if we do go shotgun, go a lot four wide, go five wide, uh, and, and let Tommy sling it around because I just don't think that Michigan has the depth, uh, whereas we have uh, certainly the depth to uh, to contribute uh, with regards to the receiving core. Uh, I'm not really that worried about our offense matching up against their defense because I think what a lot of people forget is last year it was essentially the Tommy Reese show against Michigan. Uh, Golston made some pretty head-scratching mistakes early, and um, whether it was jitters or lack of maturity or what whatever, um, Kelly put in Rees, and Rees managed the game very well, and I think that's going to be the goal here is, is Tommy Rees able to minimize the mistakes, um, minimize uh, the, the negative plays, and is able to put together a, a well-managed game, because I think he did a good job at it last year. I, whether you wanted us to score more points, I think it, it was clear to, to me that Tommy was willing and able to step up in the face of pressure, um, uh, just as he did two years ago even. Uh, even though that was a heartbreaking loss, he did a very good job managing that game. But what bit us two years ago was the mistakes and the negative plays, and I'm hoping that he learns from that, uh, that he's able to, to put together a performance that looked a lot like the Temple game plan. Um, but whereas, like you said, um, Devin Gardner is going to be determinant on how well Michigan plays. I really think Tommy is going to be determinant on how well Notre Dame plays because we won't be able to just rely on our running game, I don't think. I think there has to be some um, some way that we can uh, ease uh, the burden of our offensive line, ease the burden off the looks, and, and mix it up so that uh, Greg Madison can't dial up a performance, a defensive performance like last year, because I thought Michigan's defense last year was not as good as uh, the final score uh, against us uh, showed. I thought we were capable of scoring a lot more against them, but he just put together a very good defensive game plan. Um, and I'm hoping this year that we learn from that, that we're able to exploit it, and hopefully we'll come out with uh, with a result uh, that that looks uh, good for us and bad for them. Okay, uh, wrapping up the podcast. Um, if there was a theoretical gun to your head, Lars, you think Notre Dame wins this weekend? On Saturday afternoon when I was going for a little run, I would have said 
no way, but uh, sitting back now and having some time to reflect, yeah, I think Notre Dame wins this one, and I think one of the reasons is Notre Dame tends to play, you know, they sometimes struggle at home, and we've seen a number of performances like this where they don't look great, and then they go on the road where everyone kind of expects them to lose in these big games in somebody else's house, and they just play really, really smart football really well, and I think that's a reflection of, of their head coach. I think that's kind of Brian Kelly's thing. He loves to be the underdog, and he loves when people, uh, you know, count him out and that sort of thing, and uh, they're going to hear plenty of talk about the problems they had this week and I So I think you're going to see a team that plays very, very well, and I think the coaching, stop job, coaching staff will do a great job uh, getting the guys ready. So, yes, I think we're going to see a win. Um, it'll be a close one probably within a touchdown. What do you think, Paul? you think they're going to take home a victory in six days? Right now, I'm going to say no. And I'm going to say no because simply history is not on our side here. Uh, we're talking about a team that hasn't won in the big house in close to uh, 10 years. Um, I think 05 was the last time that we, we put together a win, and even then it was by the skin of our teeth. Um, I think this offense is and defense, is, the, the team in general is growing, um, but they're going to need to grow up a lot because uh, it's going to be very loud. Uh, it's a very uh, hostile environment. You can actually make the argument that it's probably going to be the most hostile environment that we'll face all year. Um, it's, it's, it's a tough game, and it's a tough game not necessarily because of the team we're playing, but because of everything that goes around it with the emotion, uh, prime time, uh, we have a lot of new players, and and simply when when it comes down to it, the I, I pretty much resemble Randy Quaid's character from Major League when it comes to us playing Michigan. That I just I just don't believe that we ever win or that we're ever going to beat them until the game is over. And if the game is over and we are on top, then I am. Uh, happy as a clam, but just right now I just don't see it. I, I think there was too many negative uh, aspects on the defensive side of the ball that they're going to exploit. I think our play action looks uh, on defense, uh, they're, they're going to pay particular attention to. Uh, I'm with Lars. I think it is going to come down to a touchdown or, or less, maybe, maybe a 10-point ten, ten game, but that'll be because Tommy Rees is keeping us in the game. Uh, I think our defense right now is too much question marks, too much frustration on their end. There needs to be a lot more disciplined play. Uh, but if I had to say it right now, I just don't think we're going to win. All right. I will uh, save my prediction for later in the week when I have our Michigan preview up. Uh, um, I want to remind all of our listeners to subscribe on iTunes and get some comments going on um, iTunes. Um, I want to thank Lars for jumping on the podcast for the first time, and I want to thank Paul for coming on for the second straight time. And we will see you guys in another week after the Michigan game. Hopefully we're celebrating like wild men, and if we're not, we'll still be here. Take care.